guest today is Dan Quach, who is the CEO for the East Africa region at Africa Data Centers. Africa Data Centers is basically one of the leading data center providers on the continent, if not the leading data center provider in the continent. And they pioneered high quality data center infrastructure, launching the first site, which is incidentally where we are, in Kenya around 14 years ago, if I'm not wrong. Um, so welcome, Dan. Thanks a lot, Faris. Yeah. Um, really, it's uh, it's my time to again just welcome you to Africa Data Centers facility in Nairobi. Yeah. Uh, rightly, like you've mentioned, really, hap this happens to be the leading uh, data center facility across the East African region. And uh, again, a very critical player globally when we talk about data center infrastructure. Yeah. Okay, so just to get us started, give us your background. How did you, where did you grow up? How did you get into tech? Like the, the full yeah. story. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, when I look at the background, really, um, I, I celebrate the rich history uh, that I've, I've actually been able to uh, have to, to work all the way that has brought me to the position that I hold today. Uh, but I think critical things worth mentioning. Uh, in terms of my academic journey, I have an information technology background, so really strong technical background in terms of information technology and network uh, systems. And uh, this is something that I got out of uh, Jomo Kenyatta University. Uh, right after that, I had the opportunity of joining uh, Kenya's first private uh, telecommunications uh, company, that was Kenya Data Networks, mm -hmm. and uh, I joined as a network operations control engineer. At that point in time, really, uh, as everyone is right from, uh, from, from their formal education, I was very much engrossed on making sure that I understood the technical issues around configuring networks, troubleshooting issues within core networks, making sure that you then support both the core and access networks in a way that uh, would make sure that the organization achieved its objectives then. Uh, it didn't take too long before I then had a chance to uh, be to get a promotion or rather get another opportunity at uh, taking up an operations uh, management role within Kenya Data Networks. That operations management role, really, uh, I was tasked with the responsibility of making sure that I looked after Kenya Data Networks core network infrastructure. So from a wide area network infrastructure perspective, we've got what we call core network, which is internally facing, and we've got access network, which is the network infrastructure that allows the end user to access the network service that we are offering. So I was tasked with the, uh, with the I was tasked with the responsibility of maintaining or managing the core network. This core network was sitting within very, uh, you know, secure and uh, robust environment, which technically to me was a data center by then. Yeah. And that's how comes I then moved into the data center space and it was viewed as someone who had an understanding on what it took to manage mission critical environments. Yeah. So that then informed my move uh, into the data center space, as I've rightly mentioned. And uh, at some point in time, the data center business opportunity came to fall. Uh, what informed this, this the, the decision for us to move into data center space? Majorly, there was an opportunity for uh, a lot more customers wanting to be hosted in these mission critical environments. Uh, we had we had uh, some local regulatory uh, requirements like uh, the central bank or the financial institutions regulator uh, having a requirement by banking institutions to make sure that their core infrastructure was in very resilient infrastructure environments. And that's, that naturally then informed our decision to reconsider 
not having data center as just any other network infrastructure, but look at it as an opportunity to then build a purpose, uh, to have a purpose-built data center, which is the facility we are in today. Uh, we today go by the name Africa Data Centers, and maybe our customers would want to know then what, what informed that change. Uh, that change was occasioned by, one, the fact that when we were acquired by Liquid Telecom sometime back in 20, 2012 yeah, to 2014, Liquid Telecom being a large telecommunications player, so it wise to separate the businesses and make sure that we had, an, we had them focusing on the network business while the data center business was then registered to run with the data center related businesses, so to yeah, speak. Yeah. And that's how comes we were running by the name East Africa Data Centers. But today we've even dropped the East. Yeah. We now talk of Africa Data Centers. Yeah. It's because... Again, in the very manner Liquid Telecom acquired assets within Eastern Africa, a similar occurrence happened in Southern Africa with yeah. them acquiring Neotel, yeah. which happened to have data center facilities in Johannesburg and uh, Cape Town. And that then added data center facilities outside of Eastern Africa. So this is why today we have rebranded ourselves and we now go by the name Africa Data Centers because we've got multiple presence across different geographies. So the geographies where we are present today is Eastern Africa. We are present in Southern Africa. We've just launched in Western Africa. That's in Lagos, Nigeria. We are also uh, exploring launching in Central African Republic in the DRC. And we also have a strong intention to make sure that we've got another presence in the Northern African part. So what we intend to do is to make sure that there's data center facilities across different geographies, but in a way that is leaves them interconnected and makes sure that we help our customers enjoy the service that we offer in a similar way across all these facilities and across these geographies and in a carrier neutral manner. Yeah in a way that they can enjoy communication services from all the telcos or the carriers that are present in our facilities. Yeah, it's, it's actually interesting. Nobody has announced any projects in Central Africa. Um, it's a huge part of the continent, yeah. massive population, but it seems a bit neglected. Um, yes, uh, I, I, think, I think we have, um, we have a culture within Africa Data Centers Fold, which is really to, to, to be courageous and bold enough to go to uncharted territories. Yeah. Um, when, when we wanted to do business in, in, in Nigeria or in Western Africa, you know, we had queries whether we were making the right decision by some other players. But for us, we saw an opportunity to make sure that we you know, conquered the technical infrastructure challenges that are present in Nigeria and build. And why we did that, we felt that that population uh, it gives us uh, an opportunity to build a data center that was going to serve that community. Yeah. The same thing is now happening in Central African Republic. And I see a similar culture as well because uh, Liquid Intelligent Technologies has also mentioned them extending their fiber network connectivity into the DRC mm -hmm. in similar fashion as we want to also build a data center facility in the DRC. Yeah. And again, it's for the same reason. We see a population there. We see a market that is thriving there. We see organizations born out of Eastern Africa that are actually growing and building a base in Central Africa or in the DRC. Uh, we have banking institutions whom we serve mm -hmm. in our data center facility in Kenya or in Nairobi, and they've got presence or reach extending all the way to the DRC. They've been pushing us hard to see to it that we can actually consider offering them services in the DRC as well. Mm -hmm. And that's how comes we've then made that announcement to make sure that DRC forms part of our expansion plan, yeah. uh, which is going to cover 
almost 10 countries and have 10 data centers across different geographies as well just interconnected in a way that achieves our, our objective okay yes so it's basically customer led yes it's customer driven uh, we, we 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 don't go where we see uh you know we, we go where we feel customers want us to build okay. and we do that in a proactive manner yeah. so in as much as one could probably question the infrastructure state in some of the regions we want to build for us it's the foresight that we have that really uh that infrastructural challenge we should form part of the solutions to that infrastructure challenge yeah. if we have a region that's facing power challenges we'll bring in our skill to make sure that we build a data center that can mitigate um, you know chances of having disturbances or failures due to that kind of infrastructural challenge which is the value that we bring to the market and we bring to our customers okay and you you've been in this space for around 16 17 years now yes you know you mentioned that when you started to Scadian, like one private um, <laughs> data carrier i think at the time it was only telecom kenya and um, kdn that had wholesale licenses um, and there, were no data, there was no data center infrastructure. Now, you fast forward today, like you literally have ISPs everywhere. You have data centers everywhere. Like there's been a Cambrian explosion of yeah. infrastructure um, providers in Kenya. What's your, what are your thoughts on the evolution in the state of the market at the moment? Um, <clears throat> on, on my part, I like the fact that we've, we've actually grown in terms of uh, data center suppliers in Africa, and in Kenya, to be specific, to me, that's a testimony that, uh, you know, we are selling the right product or we have the right product in the market. And it also informs, uh, informs us of the fact that there is an even bigger demand for data center services in Kenya and in Africa, so to speak. So uh, while we started, when we started off, I can actually confirm to you that I had colleagues who could joke and say that this is a white elephant. Why are you building a 3.6 to 4 megawatts data center facility in Kenya? Who is going to consume that capacity? Do we have actual demand for the same? So we had all these questions. And at times, I will say that, uh, you know, the perception that the market wasn't there was at times too strong to appoint it. I, I could actually feel like we need to rethink <laughs> of what, we, what it is that we want to do. But thanks to a very strong team that I have behind me or we have in Eastern Africa, our commercial team has worked extremely hard to demonstrate to the market and to dem demonstrate to the business that there is actually demand and there is uh, an opportunity for us to demonstrate value in customers coming to a shared environment or a multi-tenant environment like has happened and in which case then make our business case then uh, become positive. Uh, so we have so many players that have come into the space. Um, I, see, I, I see that going to happen a lot more and I think it's good for the industry because when I look at um, when I look at the African landscape, uh, we talk of uh, an opportunity. We, we talk of an opportunity to build more data centers because the total data center capacity we have in Africa is re is actually equated to one percent of global data center capacity. Uh, in, a, in, a, in an even extreme situation, it's equated to the total data center space in Switzerland alone, what we have totally in Africa. Yeah. And the question then is, if that is the case, then where exactly is African data sitting? So Africa's data sits everywhere. It sits in Africa, but largely it sits outside of Africa. 
and it likely sits of Af outside of Africa because of, you know, potentially the lack of this data center capacity that can then have that data brought back into our continent. The other bit, again, is making sure that we've got players or uh, telecommunication service providers that can then have solutions that will consume these data center environments. That can happen in terms of local players coming up with uh, solutions that can consume these data center resources. But largely where I see us going is we have... We have taken a conscious decision to build data centers in, in, to a standard that is, that can meet expectations of global players that are heavy consumers of data center space. These are cloud service providers. In our data center terms, we call them hyperscalers. So right now, uh, we are doing the right thing in terms of making sure that we are building infrastructure to bring Africa's content back to Africa. We want to make sure that, uh, when you talk of, uh, uh, AWS, when you talk of Alibaba, when you talk of Oracle Cloud, when you talk of uh, Microsoft's cloud, uh, we want to make sure that they've got opportunities to make sure that they've got a pop sitting in our continent as well. And in those uh, regions or geographies, like we mentioned, that can reduce latency as much as possible. Reducing latency just means making sure that that service is a lot closer to the end user. And in that case, then improve the user experience. If if you have your critical data sitting within a data center that is one hop away from you versus having it in a data center that is 10 hops away from you, naturally the data center where the, that is one hop away will give a better user experience. I want to access my medical data that's sitting in a cloud somewhere. I wouldn't want to be making 10 hops for me to access my data if there is an option of me accessing that data through one hop. So naturally, as having these data center facilities a lot closer in those different geographies in the African context, will help these cloud players to come and equally compete local players that have also set up cloud service, cloud-based solutions and services and improve you know, the telecommunications infrastructure and optimize ways in which we are consuming these services. Okay, wow. Um, and you, you, you started off as an engineer, like literally cable switches. <laughs> <laughs> In, 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 at, 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 at KDN yeah. at the time. Yes. And you sort of moved up to product manager, from product manager to um, GM, and yes. you're now leading the business in the yeah. region. Yes. How did you make that hop? Because, you know, many people in technical capacities want to know how to move to a more commercial role. Like, how, <laughs> how did that look like for you? Uh, 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 thanks a lot. Uh, really, uh, that... It, it took a it took a lot of um, team effort, uh, I will say. So I wouldn't really want to uh, run away with uh, you know with all the glory uh, as having done everything or being able to make it to make it on my own. Uh, first and foremost, I have to admit that uh, uh, what I learned really is the knowledge base that I had, the technical knowledge base that I had. I had to somewhat make sure that I complement it with uh, commercial knowledge. And to gain commercial knowledge in an organization requires you to take that leap of faith and uh, make sure that beyond the technical skills that you've got, you can also challenge yourself and get to understand uh, the commercial intelligence in an organization. When I talk about the, when I, when I say commercial intelligence, what I really mean is getting to understand uh, how the technical infrastructure that you are supporting or building really is of value to a customer. What exactly are customers buying from you? So I had to make sure that I could translate technical infrastructure or technical systems to value that a customer buys. Uh, that's how comes I 
you know, I took that leap of faith and took up the role of being a product manager. Really what happened was uh, just at the end of the building or the construction of the data center, it, the, the organization felt like I, it was only me who then had a lot more, most of the technical knowledge. And I was then dumped into the deep end and asked, you know, Dan, you know, you've been working with uh, Maggie and the rest of the commercial team. Uh, so they've been your champions in terms of, you know, interfacing with customers. But when we speak to these customers, uh, these customers sort of also need some sort of technical background or understanding of how your product benefits them. So we need your help to be the product manager to package this technical infrastructure to something that a customer buys. To package it from the technical description to a need or a solution that customers uptake. So I, I then took it up to be the product manager then. And uh, the big challenge was you built it, we now want it sold. So please, we see no one better than you uh, to work alongside the commercial team that we already have so as to fill it up. Uh, that was a tough decision on my part, but I will say uh, as tough as it was, it has uh, really helped me uh, understand, uh, you know, the 360 view of an organization, making sure that beyond, beyond the technical intrigues, you also then understand how exactly uh, are you packaging that technical solution to something that uh, a customer can make use of. Beyond that, you know, uh, we we successfully uh, made sure that, they got, that, that the data center's occupancy achieved uh, the targets or we achieved targets in terms of filling up the data center space that we had. And it is, it is, that, it, it is based on that that we've then also uh, had growth within the East African team to a point of uh, elevating myself to be you know, in charge of the East African region and, of course, also uh, upgrading or uh, making sure that the team as well uh, is motivated or more challenged to take up additional roles uh, within the organization. Uh, so that bit of uh, making sure that there's a dichotomy of understanding the technical side and the commercial side, I would say is key to one growing in the organization from where they are. But ultimately, uh, in terms of management, um, I also got to learn and really, I've also picked a lot of lessons from so many mentors that I've had before. And uh, key lessons or key learnings to me really is... Uh, Yes, uh, you you understand the you understand the solution technically. Uh, you've known a way to also package it as a product or a need that customers make use of. But ultimately, you have a team that is supporting you achieve the organization's objectives. So, are you a team leader uh, and not a boss? Hmm. Uh, you know, and 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 to me, the ch what I always challenge everyone in the organization is be the team leader that you actually looked upon when you weren't a team leader before. So are you, are you be someone who can understand, you know, be someone who can challenge uh, the team players to make sure that they can go outside the box and, you know, go beyond expectations. Uh, make sure that you inculcate cultures or values within the team members that will support you, will support you meet the common objective or the common purpose. So making sure that uh, there is team effort, making sure that people are accountable to what they do, making sure that we are performance driven, we've got a winning culture in us, uh, making sure that we can always challenge status quo and making sure that we can al also uh, encourage one another in a, w in a positive way and help one another grow. As a leader, uh, I've learned to never 
you know, consider it successful if it's only an individual who's grown, but not the organization or the team that's growing. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you're also supporting the rest of your team members to grow. You know, when you talk of, uh, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned a bit on the technical background I had before I shifted. I was, I was held up in technical jargon and <laughs> speaking a lot of technical stuff. Uh, there was a time we had one of our marketing resources from our UK office coming over to help us uh, organize for an event. And in the course of us taking them around the data center facility, uh, you know, I had this funny situation where, uh, you know, where the colleague was asking me what a generator was because they had actually never seen it. <laughs> and, and you see, for me, when you're all wired and technical, I took that as an opportunity to, you know, show all the, all the knowledge that I have. You know, you want to talk about a generator and talk about what it's actually doing, uh, you know, and talk about the kilowatts and KVAs using a lot of jargon. But, you know, what really impressed me ultimately in my discussions with the colleague was that when I mentioned why we have a, when she challenged me or asked me, why do, we, why do you have a generator? While my explanation was, yeah, we can always have power outages, and when we have a power outage, then we must have a generator in place. I was then challenged and asked, but why do you have power outages? <laughs> why don't you put the organization that's you know, supplying you power to task and make sure that they can understand how critical the business is? Because where I come from, I'd hardly have an outage. And if I had, I will actually have an explanation as to why I have that outage. And that is a, an organizational culture that you then get to learn. So... The, the place I work today, I appreciate the fact that we have skilled resources locally, but we complement that with, uh, you know, with uh, global experts who also naturally bring in new cultures and new ways of doing things that helps us then grow as a team and as an organization. Okay, well, and that actually perfectly melds with the next question, which is what, what, what distinguishes um, Africa data centers? Because you've clearly just captured the culture perfectly. <laughs> um, other than the culture, what, what distinguishes you from like, all the other players in the market at the moment? Um, uh, um, the quality of service that we offer. Really, the quality of service that we offer is um, without a doubt the best. We, we've met our customers' expectations in terms of availability. We've, we've met our customers' expectations in terms of making sure that our data centers are the, are, the, are, are the best from a technical perspective. You know, uh, data center environments or data center facilities uh, have, uh, have global design best practices. And for us, we chose no better uh, partner than Uptime Institute to work with so that the data centers that we build are aligned to the best practices or guidelines that Uptime Institute has put, put down. So our data centers, uh, based on the... Uh, design guidelines and principles that uh, have been set down by Uptime Institute, we are guaranteeing our customers that at no point will you go down beyond eight minutes in a calendar month. Uh, if you ask around, you will actually get a confirmation or a, testi a testimony from our customers that we've overachieved that and for a very long time. Uh, in terms of beyond yeah, can, the I, technical... Yes. I can actually validate that because in, 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 in a former life, I was... Uh, one of your customers, and I think we went between 2013, various roles in 2019. I think there's one side of your power that yeah. went out, but yeah. the equipment has largely remained, like I, 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 there was no incident to report of. And, and that's the benefit of being in a, in, in a resilient data center. So yeah. in a resilient data center, 
um, while we are going to have failures, yeah. the failures should never be service affecting. Yeah. So if the failures should never be service affecting because we've got redundancies in place to make sure that that outage or that, in that single incident does not really lead to a total outage. Yeah. Um, so that is one. But beyond technicals, even on the operational side, uh, you know, we look at our information risks and we make sure that we are always assessing what risks we have as an organization and, or as a business, technically and operationally. And, uh, you know, we are also having, uh, you know, an information security management standard. So we align to ISO 27001. Um, we, in terms of the financial space, and in terms of the financial space, just to uh, give a clear picture of how of, of why we tick, in Kenya or in Eastern Africa, we host over fifty percent of our banking institutions within our data center space. They will either use us as our as a production site or disaster recovery site or high availability site in terms of their infrastructure. So, in turn, we don't want to. Uh, we want to make sure that we make it easy for these kind of uh, customers to be in compliance uh, with uh, their governance requirements. So, if if you are a financial institution and you need to be uh, to have the PCI or payment card industry data security standard, what better place to have your infrastructure than our facility? Because we have that we have that general compliance. If you need the information security standard, uh, what better place than to make sure that you are within our facility because the campus itself is already having that sort of certification. And lately, COVID has, uh, you know, COVID has, has hit us hard for the past, I would say, 18 months or so. So we, we were proactively already engaged in making sure that we had a health and safety standard, uh, health, safe environment, health, health, safety, health and safety environment standard uh, within our campus. And we were also able to achieve that. So we have an ISO 14,000 and 45,001 certification uh, that also informs our customers that we've taken everything into consideration to ensure the safety of any stakeholders that have access to our data center facilities. Um, so 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 we we've uh, we've run away with uh, the opportunities to make sure that we built a data center in good time and uh, you know and don't lose out on that window of opportunity to for customers to make use of their facility but we've also built an ecosystem that is richer than any other data center across this region. So when we talk of carriers, we've got over 40 carriers present within our facility. We talk of financial institutions, over 50%. Lately, cloud service providers, cloud service providers have not majorly, uh, you know, had their major cloud nodes pres uh, set up in Eastern Africa, but they, very, they are very fast installations are present again in our facilities. Uh, you know, when you talk Netflix today, I can actually authoritatively confirm that the, net, the only Netflix pop we have outside of Southern Africa sits in our data center facility right here. You, know, you talk of uh, you know, any, any customer consuming Microsoft Azure services and they need to demonstrate uh, compliance to any data protection requirements, they do that fully based on the fact that the Microsoft Azure stack sits in our data center space. And we've got other cloud service providers as well in our space. So uh, that rich ecosystem, uh, technical resilience, uh, mix of experts, like I already mentioned, in terms of having local and global experts that can actually support the business. Uh, and, and that rich history and experience we've had over time really puts us to a point of advantage. And we feel we are actually at the right stage to make sure that customers that want to come to Africa uh, have the right partner to work with. Hmm. Well, I never knew about Netflix. I just <laughs> noticed at some point that the 
the, 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 the loading time had improved significantly. Yeah. Um, are there any other customers you can speak freely about? Um, so we've got strict non-disclosure okay. agreements. So yeah. I, I wouldn't really mention customers specifically by name. Yeah. But when we talk of carriers, yeah. uh, you know, uh, carriers that are really uh, proud and present within our data center facility, offering connectivity to all these other players. You talk Jami Telcom. You talk Seacom. You talk all the submarine cables that are present. So you talk uh, Teams cable. Uh, you talk of uh, Tata Communications. You talk of Level Three or uh, Level Three with the Century Link so to speak. On the Asian front, you talk of Huawei, China Telecom, China Mobile. Um, in the global space as well, you talk of gateway communications, uh, the likes of PCCW. You'll talk of liquid intelligent technologies, uh, network and some of their products and services, their cloud-based services and mm -hmm. lately their uh, you know, uh, innovative products that they're also having in terms of cybersecurity base. All those are present in our space. Mm -hmm. You know, locally, all network service players have presence in our facility. Safaricom will easily offer you connection from our data center facility in the same way Airtel and Telcom Kenya will. Yeah. So all these mobile network players are present. And we also take that prime position of hosting the primary internet exchange point within our facility. So we've got a very strong uh, partnership and collaboration with KXP or Kenya Internet Exchange Point. And uh, we offer, you know, uh, we, uh, we have an incentivized uh, solution by way of offering free connectivity to KXP for all our customers within the data center facility. Yeah. It just helps to make sure that African traffic sits in Africa. Yeah. Peering made a lot easier. Uh, have as much peering partners as much as possible. Yeah. And we even have multiple, uh, you know, IXPs. We've just launched Asteroid uh, in our data center facility as well as an, as a, as an alternative IXP platform. So. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and why would somebody, and, and I know this sort of gets into the weeds of um, the product, but why would somebody choose Colo over say cloud or building their own facility? Um, one choosing cloud over Colo, um, that's a question that uh, has always been there in the market. Um, what I will say is, in our experience, we find customers using both. So where I come from when I say so is, uh, when we talk of cloud, at the end of the day, a data center is the physical manifestation of a cloud. So a data center is what will then crystallize what we are calling cloud to something that is, that can, that's tangible and one can then touch in the form of the computing, storage, and processing power. So that will be hardware that is sitting in a data center space. And when you talk of uh, co-location, co-location just basically implies uh, customers having all their hardware sitting within a data center environment mm -hmm. that is shared, like, like is the case in terms mm -hmm. of our business model. So we generally see an opportunity in co-location in the same way we, we see an opportunity in the cloud space. So we sort of feel that these products interrelate and they complement one another. From a customer's point of view, you can be a financial institution and you couldn't be struggling with, do you go colo or do you go cloud? A lot of, what, a lot of the times what we've seen, you'll find yourself consuming both. And you'll be consuming both in this, from this perspective. You might find some of your workloads that you feel are not so sensitive going to the cloud. But you might find some of your sensitive workloads 
uh, that are probably, you know, sort of by act of some regulation or law that is in place, you'll want to determine where they physically sit. You might want them sitting in a data center environment, in which case you will then own the hardware that then sits in that physical environment. But you might as well actually explore making use of a private cloud service provider with presence within a particular data center that will help you comply to that data protection or the data sovereignty laws. So ultimately, you'll have a hybrid of both. And you'll have a hybrid of both to make sure that you're then optimizing uh, your costs uh, because, you know, uh, if you find it cost-effective to use public cloud infrastructure, then you'll do so. But if you have services or workloads that cannot sit in public cloud space or you want them to sit somewhere that you'll want to determine in terms of access and security, then you'll want it sitting in a data center of environment that you can physically have access and control of. So you might find yourself always making use of the two. Uh, but be as it may, um, the decisions will always be driven by your assessment of other factors beyond cost or cost effectiveness of the solution. You might want to consider security. You might want to consider having control. You might want to consider, uh, you know, uh, the legislative frameworks or uh, adherence to any sort of laws. So. Yes. Fantastic. Um, so we'll take a break forward from our sponsors. When people think of VMware, they typically think of things like this. Or they simply think, but what we really do, what gets us up in the morning, is more about humans than hypervisors. We unlock the power of technology by connecting its complex components, so our customers can create better experiences for people. When we say we enable micro-segmented networks for east-west security, we mean we help banks safeguard their customers' hard-earned money. When we say we modernize data centers to enable cloud computing, we mean we help farmers grow from humble beginnings. When we say we provide unified endpoint management, we mean we help nurses spend more time with patients. Our technology empowers the creativity of employees, the engagement of students, and the connection of communities. Technology is evolving faster than it ever has before, and slower than it ever will again. VMware software is the digital foundation of this ever-changing world. Sure, tech is complicated, and keeping pace is challenging. But to be honest, we live to turn challenges into new possibilities. Otherwise, we wouldn't attempt things like this. Or this. We love solving hard problems, so our customers can make it look easy. And also because connecting, managing, and automating the world's digital infrastructure is just so cool. Welcome back to the podcast where we are chatting with Dan Quach, who's the CEO of Africa Data Centers for the region, East Africa region. Um, now, we've seen... You know, ADC, formerly, you know, KDN, pioneered, like, proper data centers in this region. I think they're the first ones to get tier three certification around 2012, well, design certification mm -hmm. at the time. And we've seen an explosion of data center projects. I think they're literally in the hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, the government is putting up a facility. Um, there have been mu multiple hyperscale announcements made of 2,000-plus 2, racks with more than one provider getting mm -hmm. into that space. Um, ADC's parent company also raised money that was announced yesterday from the IFC. I think it was $250 million. 
Um, what's your view of the market? Like, there's, there seems to be a lot of money going into this space. Yeah. Um, you currently have one primary facility. Are you looking to expand? Like, what, what's your take on the current state? Because okay. the market seems to be red hot. Uh, yes, the market is, uh, uh, you know, uh, the di- when I look at uh, the current supply base in, in Kenya or in Eastern Africa, uh, while this supply base has been sufficient for, uh, for the, to meet local demand, and local demand has likely been our enterprise market, um, what we are slowly seeing is uh, a lot of uh, our wholesale-based customers than wanting to come into the African continent and set up base. So this has created what we now then likely term as hyperscale demand. So this hyperscale demand, really, hyper hyper just refers to large. So while the enterprise-based customers have been, you know, banking institutions, uh, you know, non-governmental and governmental bodies, uh, academic institutions, uh, small telecommunication service providers and ISPs for that matter, um, small uh, innovative organizations that uh, you know have come up with some apps or solutions that are used locally. Uh, they've been consuming data center resources uh, in a little bit of smaller volumes. So they've been consuming data centers in terms of rack capacity. So they'll probably be talking of five racks. They'll be talking of 10 racks. These five to 10 racks would easily translate in terms of power to, uh, to something, you know, to the tune of probably a rack being an average four kilowatts of power. Um, the hyperscale customers that we are talking about um, have got their infrastructure designs already in place. And they want to come and set up base in Africa so that they can handle what I already talked about before, which is reduced latency for them to offer their services across the continent, but likely also to you know, meet some sort of data sovereignty requirements if, if and where necessary. They come, uh, they come in big capacities or big quantums, and they talk of megawatts of capacity. So to give you a typical illustration, while the data center facility we have in Nairobi is uh, to the tune of 4 megawatts, 4 megawatts can typically be consumed by one hyperscale customer. So one hyperscale customer can literally consume that in one order in terms of them setting a base and having, having their infrastructure as they have already designed for use to, to serve a region or to serve uh, the African market. They will call them different names. You'll have them called availability zones. You'll call them, they'll have, they, they have, they've got different terms based on the different customers that we work with. So that demand uh, by the hyperscalers is what has also ignited a lot of operators to then uh, proactively think of ways and means of building hyperscale capacity. Um, we don't want to have a situation where Africa is looked at as not having the capacity. So today, outside of Southern Africa, if these hyperscale customers were to make an assessment as to whether there is capacity, they will today make a decision or have an observation that there lacks data center capacity because the megawatt kind of requirement that they have, that they want, is not immediately available. So in turn... If we don't have organizations take that bold step of building that kind of hyperscale capacity, then we'll be losing out as Africa. This is why the likes of Africa data centers want to, wants to proactively build hyperscale capacity. By illustration, while what we have in Nairobi today is to the tune of 4 megawatts, we have a plan to expand by an additional 10 megawatts in Nairobi. 
for which we will definitely also make an announcement pretty soon uh, to our customers. Uh, beyond Nairobi, where else do we want to build? We are just at the tail end of acquiring again land in Mombasa so that we can build a, sm a smaller data center in Mombasa. And that smaller data center in Mombasa is again strategically meant to meet the requirements of submarine cables that want to terminate in that region so as to serve the East African market. So Kenya is seen as a as an ICT entry point or hub for the East African market. If players like ourselves don't build that infrastructure that can meet that capacity that we are going to that is going to be required over time, then naturally we might then have that kind of opportunity, uh, you know, we might lose that opportunity to other regions. We don't want to do that. Um, we have a very good regulatory framework in Kenya that makes it viable for data center organizations to set up base right here. So you, so I don't see it as a surprise when I see all these announcements coincidentally happening right in Kenya and not, not anywhere else, I would say for now, in Eastern Africa. So the stability in terms of a regulatory framework in Kenya is something that creates an opportunity for us to think of ways and means of building even more. Uh, the fact that uh, we also see a very strong or, or IT-savvy uh, demography in Kenya helps in terms of data center players then setting base in Kenya so as to serve the East African market. Uh, so uh, when we talk of skilled resources or the knowledgeable base, knowledgeable uh, knowledge-based resources that we might need to uh, run to build and maintain data center facilities, there is that abundance of that capacity in Kenya. Uh, maybe what we lack is the experience, but uh, as as Africa data centers, we sort of believe in the. Uh, in the adage, hire people but train them on skills. Uh, so whenever we are out there looking for uh, talent, we always, of course, we look for the best in terms of uh, their knowledge base and very good qualifications. But ultimately, we look at people who also have that, uh, you know, have, have that hunger to learn and learn and relearn. And when they get to join our organizations, then they get to then uh, build that particular or industry-specific knowledge Within, within the data center space. So that is easily or readily available in Eastern Africa. So a lot of players are actually going to continue, uh, you know, making announcements in terms of their build and rollout in Kenya or in Eastern Africa for that matter. And we need to be glad that that is happening in Kenya. But of course, we also see opportunities beyond Kenya. So we see operators wanting to set up base in Ethiopia. Uh, we see op opportunities in setting up base in uh, Uganda and Rwanda. So wherever we are going to see it wise to have smaller or age data centers that cannot connect to our main hubs, we will definitely take that approach. But ultimately, the demand is driven heavily by the hyperscalers that want to make sure that they set up base and serve the African customers from within Africa and not the current situation where they actually serve the African customers, but from outside of, of Africa. So, so basically, if I hear you correctly, even though these figures for most people are mind-boggling, it's still not enough capacity. Uh, it's still not enough. You know, like, 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 uh, like, like I mentioned, we talk of the current capacity, uh, the total data center capacity we have in Africa, it's equated to the total capacity of data centers in Switzerland. Yeah. So... Uh, when we look at the population growth, yes, today we talk of Africa being at 1.3 B, 
but naturally the economic strength that we have in Africa and that we are going to build over time is going to determine growth of infrastructure in various aspects, technology being one. And we then see that opportunity as well for a lot more data center operators to come into the space and build data centers. Um, when I look at the capacity in Kenya today uh, or Eastern Africa, you'll easily be talking of uh, uh, you know capacity that will hardly go beyond uh, 20 megawatts in terms of immediately available data center capacity. Yeah. But I mean, when you talk of 20 megawatts, that is extremely small based on what hyperscale consumers yeah. uh, would, would ultimately want to make yeah. use of to serve an African continent of 1.3 B. Yeah. So there is a lot more opportunity, uh, but again, that whole opportunity, um, we like the clamor for it, uh, but uh, we feel uh, all players are working hard and making sure that they can differentiate themselves as being the best candidates mm -hmm. to offer the right kind of service and experience to these hyperscale customers. Yeah. For us, we are already hosting these hyperscale customers in some of our facilities in Eastern Africa in a smaller way, but in Southern Africa in a, in a much bigger way. And we want to leverage on that kind of existing business relationship to see to it that we can build uh, facilities across other regions that can then serve these customers. Okay. So the announcement you saw, yes, it's uh, pretty much in order. And this comes in the backdrop of some changes that have been made at, at, group, at our group level. So you will ultimately uh, have realized that, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we say COVID has pushed everyone hard to be innovative. Yeah. And uh, our innovation has, has pushed us to think of, you, we either think of new products or think of newer ways of doing things. Uh, for me, I, I, I see the current structure that we have in our organizations where, you know, you talk liquid intelligent technologies and not liquid telecom anymore. Liquid intelligent technologies talks of, you know, they sell cloud-based solutions and cybersecurity and a lot more innovative products that, uh, that, that they are churning out on a daily basis or, or quite frequently lately. You talk of Africa data centers, that is now a fully independent business arm that is specifically going to make sure that we, uh, we, we maintain or protect our leading position right now as the only Pan-African data center provider with presence across different geographies. A lot of data center operators, you'll find them to maybe be having presence and some sort of um, positions in the market, but and, uh, none has that Pan-African kind of reach and presence like Africa data center has. Yeah. Okay. And so what's your view, what's your vision for the data center business in Africa in general? Like, What's your vision? Um, I, when I look at uh, all the developments lately, um, we certainly, number one, yes, you know, with that demand and uh, we are also, with that explosion on demand, we are also going to see a lot happening in terms of the supply side. So a lot more players are actually going to come into the space and offer data center services. But we also have to think of uh, innovative ways of managing and running data centers. So uh, we, we, we must go beyond the traditional concepts of uh, manning data centers. We must think of more efficient ways of managing and running data center facilities. Sustainability has become critical to our cooperations and ways of, uh, you know, and, 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 and helps us in terms of efforts to manage costs of running data center facilities. So Africa data centers today, we talk of, uh, you know, while we have utility service providers as our main 
uh, main power suppliers, we're actually heavily complementing that with solar energy. And that is just to, again, make sure that we are reducing on our carbon footprints or carbon emissions, for that matter. And ultimately, we want to support our customers as well, demonstrate to to, to critical stakeholders that they are operating or running from data center environments that are safe to the environment. So in Nairobi, just by way of uh, demonstration, this data center facility has the uh, biggest capacity of solar energy plant at one, 1 1.3 megawatts right now, but we are, we are planning to increase that by another four megawatts. And this is again aligned and in, in anticipation of our hyperscale uh, development or build that is going to happen within the same campus. So, with all these uh, things happening, uh, it, it it will it will that will easily translate to us managing the cost of us providing our service as well. Um, so, being innovative, being sustainable, making sure that we also think of newer products and services that we can sell to our customers. Um, making sure that uh, we've got uh, efficient ways of uh, managing facilities, like I mentioned, making use of technology as opposed to the traditional uh, manning of uh, data center facilities. Uh, COVID brought in the concept of having dark data centers, which literally means having a data center with uh, probably only guards and very less of uh, critical staff uh, physically present in data center houses. Uh, and how do we achieve that while we want to host, you know, not want to, but, you know, we host a lot of customers with mission-critical services within those premises or within those environments. We can only demonstrate to them if we can make use of technology in a way that can make them have comfort that their infrastructure is not at risk based on the fact that we've got less staff in our data center halls. Um, so uh, when I look at it from all those perspectives in terms of data center build and design, making use of cutting-edge technology. You know, in the same way it's said that uh, Africa has a chance of leapfrog leapfrogging technology or, you know, having a technology jump, we must not go through all that, you know, transformational journey like has happened in the developed world. For us, we have the opportunity that if we've got uh, a cooling solution that really uh, is the best in terms of uh, technical design today, Africa stands the chance of making use of that right now. Uh, at, uh, so it's, it more, we are more or less having an opportunity to, to do it right the first time. Mm. And making use of cutting-edge technology, getting to know which are these technological solutions that are present in the market, we must bring those into Africa. Uh, we must find ways of... Uh, also marketing our you know marketing ourselves as data center operators as having that capacity to offer the same kind of experience that all these players have had in the global space we don't want them coming into africa and having some sort of uh, you know uh, feel that they will be putting their infrastructure at risk because of uh, potential power challenges in africa we don't want that we don't want them to be thinking of uh, fiber cuts or connectivity challenges in Africa. Uh, data centers are built to navigate through those infrastructural challenges. So we must also make sure that we can demonstrate that local knowledge and expertise to make these data centers as resilient as possible. But uh, again, ultimately, being agile, being innovative, being resilient, and also having that boldness to uh, you know, to make key decisions that could at times look unpopular, I see those as really 
the biggest uh, issues and uh, you know my areas of focus or our areas of focus okay yeah. so for the future of the market and so it's sort of tied like that that was like the market in general where do you see like what size do you anticipate um africa data centers to be like in 10 years from now because i'm just projecting backwards mm. um if you in 2011 if you came in i think you'd only occupied one floor here. yes yes it's very small footprint yeah um 10 years before that there was no such facility true um so if you project 10 years down the line what do you see as the size of the business um it will be difficult to give a figure but what i will say is we must be ready for an explosion because you know uh, data centers are uh, you know the the capacity of data centers that we have will be easily driven by data hungry solutions and products you know that we are going to have in the market uh, i see a lot of data hungry solutions and products you know uh coming up uh the government is playing a big role in terms of making use of technology to offer uh to to offer its services in Kenya for example i mean you talk of the e citizen kind of services you talk of uh lately you talk of the huduma you talk of you know land registration being automated uh we talk of our elections uh, you know making use of technology so government itself is a, is already a very big consumer of uh, technology and in turn a consumer of technical technical infrastructure which is the data center ultimately uh, you look at all the other players that are coming up with applications uh, kenya is the home of mpesa so when you talk of fintech or financial technology uh, solutions uh, we have a big base of products and services that are being that are churning out of it uh, we take pride in mpesa leading the way and so many other products coming or tagging along um Uh, like i mentioned our regulations as well pretty attractable attractive to uh, a lot of telecommunications pro- uh, providers to come and to come and set up base in africa or and, and specifically in kenya and and again like i also mentioned in terms of uh, the data protection or data sovereignty requirements um while today we could be talking of uh, you know the 4 megawatts that we have ourselves within uh, within kenya Uh, i see i see it that you know forget 10 years when i look at the next 5 years uh, there's a strong chance that ourselves as africa data centers could easily be talking of beyond 20 megawatts if i look at that as africa data centers occupancy or capacity then add other players and uh, operators that i probably potentially see coming along uh, i don't see Uh, i i don't i don't see it very far off that we are we, we could be talking of 100 megawatts of data center capacity you know just resident in kenya alone um, and and this will be you know uh, split across different players for that matter and uh, again to make sure that we can meet all those requirements in terms of uh, having alternate sites for our customers or dual sites for some of these customers in a way that doesn't have them having service affecting incidences yeah and the final uh, thing i wanted to discuss was there's been a perception of lack of neutrality just because <laughs> of the initial founding of the data center business yes um is it in the works to spin off the business or will it continue um operating as an independent subsidiary um so so Uh, so that's a question that uh, we often get and uh, 
my, my you know my view really ties to what you've just said that that's a perception and really it stems out of uh, the fact that we started off as uh, as a carrier owned data center based on the fact that we were Kenya data networks yeah. but i also tend to feel that uh, you know uh, that terminology in terms of uh, data center classifications uh, should sort of be reviewed um when we talk of carrier neutrality from my own perspective i i would honestly vouch for any data center that has multiple carriers and doesn't have a bias in terms of giving them an opportunity to connect to that facility doesn't have a bias to giving all those carriers an opportunity to offer business or to connect to any customer within the data center uh offers a fair playground to market all those carriers within that data center as being carrier neutral that to me will be neutrality as a principle uh the current position is that carrier neutrality uh has been defined as any data center with a relationship or with ownership uh in any way or form to a telecommunication service provider uh i can i can tell you without a doubt that um even 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 at the onset uh while we were Kenya Data Networks and even while we really operated under Liquid Telecom we ourselves as a business would never vouch for a data center that has any sort of bias and this is because uh ourselves initially or you no know, being being having a uh, having a tele a telco arm we've experienced what biases bring when you have a data center that's not really open and we've been hit hardest in terms of at times being denied access to even offer connectivity to other data center i can tell you that it was difficult then for us as kdn to even connect to some government owned buildings because the then government owned telco kenya post and telecoms had their connectivity switches in those buildings and it was difficult for us to gain access to those buildings just because they had that fast move advantage and from a regulatory perspective they had a position of dominance we've enjoyed the benefits of deregulation and so we can never you know we can never vouch for or you know even imagine uh, having a, having a data center that's not carrier neutral so the way we operate is uh, is on a full carrier neutrality phrase from a full carrier neutrality principle a lot of the times i actually feel that our customers see us as carrier neutral it's our operator it's our competitors that see us as not being carrier neutral and i i, I wouldn't blame them that's a tact that uh, that's a tact that uh, they will continuously try and use to just make sure that they can then talk of career neutrality as their as probably their only strength experience has taught me that customers would not look at career neutrality singly as the only decision driver for them to come to your data center while it will be one of the one of the issues that will make them come to your facility trust you me it's the quality of service it's the price it's the it's the experience that you're giving them it's Uh, it's the trust that they have that if they bring their facility or their infrastructure into your space they, they, then they can actually sleep in the night 
that will make them come to your data center. Uh, the sooner um, other players that are really uh, humming or stuck on carrier neutrality uh, get a hold of that, uh, the better for them so that, you know, we can then uh, have them probably, uh, you know, bettering or, uh, you know, having customers then buy into uh, them as a, as, as a service provider that then meets their requirements or expectations. Okay. Fantastic. Because so if I if I understood you correctly, it's basically functionally you're neutral um, um, in terms of like day to day operations. You can if if to, 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 you 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 don't have any allegiance to the telco, and so it's completely open for everyone. Completely open for everyone, and that's how we've operated yeah. since inception. Yeah. The only thing we've now done, which which is a is, is a plus, is that today we actually then have the two entities operating independently. Yeah. So an example is Liquid Intelligent Technologies Kenya will offer its you know line of products and services in Kenya or in Eastern Africa for that matter independently of Africa data centers. So we've had our customers formally migrating from Liquid Telecom's books yeah into Africa data centers books. Yeah. And we want to really thank all the customers who've been very supportive and understanding. And it's been interesting. Some of them had, were actually pushing for that kind of change or migration mm -hmm. of the business from the liquid telecom arm into the data center business arm. Yeah. So we have so far achieved that. Yeah. And uh, coincidentally, we have actually sort of invited our customers to reignite or sort of uh, relaunch uh, Africa data centers. And this is happening in November, for which, uh, you know, allow me to invite you as well, yeah. uh, so that we can just celebrate the fact that we are the tail end of that migration. Yeah. Uh, we want to make them understand the reasons why we've done it. Uh, beyond just, uh, you know, addressing the perception on, 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 on neutrality, uh, the biggest drivers to us migrating their business to directly be offered and contracts managed by Africa data centers is to make sure that we can shorten their engagement framework uh, with us directly. They no longer have to speak to, uh, you, if they were to reach out to Africa data centers, it should no longer have to be rooted through liquid telecom or liquid intelligent technologies. They have an opportunity to speak to us directly. They have an opportunity to uh, you know, to discuss with us. They have an opportunity to get, uh, to have their performance of service reviews directly with Africa data centers. And we want to make sure that we are offering this directly and independently of LIT in same way all other operators that are carrier neutral uh, actually do. So that is really uh, something that we we see as a major milestone for us. Uh, and uh, we, we will continue pushing for that sort of, you know, independence and ways of bettering our experience to to and with our customers. Okay, fantastic. I look forward to it. Um, that's the end of our podcast today. Thanks a lot, Dan, for coming on. Thanks as well for coming uh, coming to East to Africa Data Centers. Yeah. You're always welcome any other time. Fantastic. Thank Thanks. you.